Que pasa, Mufasa? Konnichiwa, Privet. Como talevu? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Micopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker. And today we've got Masha T of ACS Laboratories joining us on the podcast. We know like Golden Teachers, Penis Envy, Albino Penis Envy, you know, B+. There's a couple strains that are popular. But all of these things, they're spoken. When it comes to dosing, when it comes to understanding exactly what are the tryptamines that are in that product, for me, compliance is not a restriction. It's, it's like a roadmap. Masha has a deep well of experience to draw from in regards to speaking authoritatively about the state of the cannabis and psychedelic industries. With special regards given to laboratory testing for purity and potency of cannabis and mushroom compounds and to the process of compliance with federal and state regulators, as well as in the art of extraction, which is a very hot topic these days. All that and a whole lot more. As always, thank you for joining us. It's an honor to host this podcast for you. And please consider rating and reviewing the episode wherever you're listening. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ausia Labs. O-U-S-I-A Labs. Home extraction equipment. They've got at-home tabletop CO2 extraction units available from $899. And they've also got industrial scale equipment for larger extraction operations. Tap in with Ausia Labs. O-U-S-I-A Labs. Pop that in your Google box and see what they got going on. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, we've got Masha T in the house today on the Micropreneur Podcast, the head of corporate growth and education at ACS Laboratories. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast, Masha. How's it going today? It's going great. Thank you, Dennis. Good to be here. Yeah, so we had a chance to meet in person in Miami last month, and I had a blast out there and met so many great people like yourself. And now I'm just doing due diligence, diving into the amazing world of psychedelics that everybody here is working on. On and finding out more about what you got going on. So why don't we why don't we start with sort of the origin story of how you got started doing what you're doing and sort of walk us through what ACS Laboratories is hoping to build in the psychedelic space right now. Sure. Thank you. So I'm originally from Philadelphia, you know, grew up, went to school in the city, went to college, like sort of did every single thing that was expected of me. You know, you got to get a good education, go to a good college, get a good job, get married, have the pre-construction house, the dog, the parrot, you know, all of it. And, you know, I always loved cannabis and I always respected the plant and could never understand why it was so stigmatized. And in parallel, you know, following the traditional sort of 3D reality of, you know, the program that we're, that we're dropped into, you know, followed all the steps that it took to, to, to be successful in my career and my life and, and all of that, but never really felt fulfilled. You know, I really felt like there was something missing. And about 10 years ago, I got sick and I was looking for ways to help myself, to heal myself. And I realized that Western medicine was not going to have the answer. So I went back to cannabis and started doing a lot of research and ultimately wound up getting cannabis illegally sent to me, RSO, uh, Rick Simpson oil, which was sent in like um, a huge turkey baster. It's a it's a super like oily, uh, it's a condensed, it almost looks like tar with no instructions. And it was like, well, just take a little rice grain. Every, that was it, you know? You know, obviously leaving out a lot of details, but you know, long story short, I used RSO to heal myself and that, 
and how hard I had to fight my doctors, even my family and wonder like, was this medicine clean? You know, it's, it, there's so many factors that are scary enough. And then wondering like if, 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 a, if you're choosing the right path and if, if the medicine that you're using is, is safe, I, you know, I got better and a couple years later, I was on a, an ayahuasca retreat and the ayahuasca told me to go into cannabis, you know, to quit my job and go into cannabis. And at that time, it was more realistic because um, in Florida, cannabis had just passed. And so, you know, um, the medicine is very powerful. You have to take the messages um, in a certain order, in a certain sequence. And but I went with it. I trusted it. And, you know, I I. I came to cannabis from the corporate world as a patient and ACS laboratory is doing incredible things. Well, you know, we're testing most of the cannabis in Florida. We are a DEA licensed uh, laboratory, CLIA licensed, ISO accredited, you know, we're all dressed up. We started as a clinical laboratory and I met them because I initially started doing events in cannabis. I didn't know how else to get into it. You know, I'd always been in tech. I'd done websites. I'd done SEO. I'd done, you know, I'd managed huge projects. I'd built software. Um, what place did I possibly have in cannabis? You know, but but eventually, you know, the truth reveals itself. If, if you ask, if you ask the right questions, the answers find you. So I started doing educational events in cannabis and met ACS Laboratory. They were one of my sponsors. I got to know them, love what they're doing because you know, they're testing the medicine for the patients or testing cannabis for the patient. And now I'm, I'm working with a testing lab and we test for 23 cannabinoids. We test for pesticides, heavy metals, bacteria, mycotoxins, residual solvents and extracts. And I'm happy to say that we use this information to not just educate the patients on what medicine they're using, but also to, you know, to help our growers create better products and be compliant. So that was that took us up to uh let's see last year we started working with psychedelics and you know mushrooms were a natural progression because for us we specialize in developing methods to test these complex analytes and the tryptamines which are the tryptamines are so just how thc is the active cannabinoid in in cannabis everyone knows thc psilocybin is the most well-known active tryptamine in and mushrooms, but there are many others. What we are doing uh, at ACS is we are we developed a method to test mushrooms, to test psilocybin, psilocin, biocystin, norbiocystin, norcilicin, aruganiacin, 4-H, TMT, harmine, and harmine. There, I remember them. Um, harmine and harmine are like the terpenes of mushrooms, but again, we don't. There's so much we don't know. Psilocybin and psilocin are the two um, most commonly talked about tryptamines. Psilocybin is, it, it actually, it's a prodrug. That's, it's actually not psychoactive. It metabolizes into psilocin, and then that's what causes the visions, the insights, and all of that. Um, it's interesting. Now, I'm not a chemist. You know, I'm just, I'm a citizen scientist. You know, I, I research everything. I just have like a crazy curiosity when I'm, when I'm interested in something, I just obsess over it. You know, I need to know everything about it from the origin to the foundation to the science to you know how it's used to how we can make it better to how to help people navigate and i you know was obsessed with cannabis for a while and then minor cannabinoids and now and now that switched to mushrooms you know there is so much that we don't know and i'm really excited to be able to learn and to you know to share the science 
So we're now working with other DEA licensed, uh, which there are not many DEA licensed producers to test mushrooms. Wonderful. Thank you for that primer. And there's quite a few things you mentioned there I'd like to dive into. One of them is about compliance, right? You've, you've got experience with this in the cannabis industry. Now you're working with regulators in the burgeoning psychedelics industry. And you have front row tickets to seeing an industry come from the underground to an above ground legal and regulated industry. And of course, we saw that and are still seeing that with cannabis. Now we've got reports coming out that Perhaps all states in the U.S. will have legal psychedelic therapy available by 2037, some states a whole lot sooner than that. But I'd love to ask you about your experience dealing with regulators and in this in this position of having front row tickets to seeing how compliance works. And I think there's a lot of underground cultivators and a lot of legacy cultivators who are distrustful and mistrustful of this sort of legal regulated industry. But I'm curious about what are some of the net positives and some of the absolute essential functions that, you know, having a legal regulated psychedelics industry are bringing to the table that maybe some of the more, you know, underground people who wish that it would stay sort of underground are missing thinking about, you know, dealing with compliance. So can you just, you know, give us a little insight about some of the value? I think you just mentioned it with testing, but some of the other things that are valuable about, you know, having a legal regulated industry as opposed to an underground industry. Well, you know, I think that so when I think of compliance, because I come from 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 the testing side, you know, for me, compliance means safety and it means um, purity. So and with mushrooms, especially uh, because we don't, you know, they're, they're grown in different conditions. They're sometimes grown under I mean, they naturally could grow under horse manure. Um, they're grown indoors in a substrate and because of the way that they grow and the way that they live, there are certain bacteria that can't survive and certain pesticides that can't survive. So we almost can't, we, you know, it's almost pointless to test mushrooms for the same type of, you know, um, impurities that we test cannabis for. But at the same time, these mushrooms, there's, you know, I've, I heard some crazy number, like there's, you know, thousands, maybe even, I don't know, there's thousands of species of mushrooms that I know. There's 400 um, psychedelic mushrooms, 400 species, of which, you know, we only know a couple of, of um, a couple. So we know like Golden Teachers, Penis Envy, Albino Penis Envy, you know, B+. There's a couple strains that are popular. But all of these things, they're spoken. You know, there's not, there, you know, when it comes to dosing, when it comes to understanding exactly what are the tryptamines that are in that product? That's how I look at it. Like for me, compliance is not a restriction. It's, it's like a roadmap. It's like understanding this is what I've got and this is what I can do with it. Now, that being said, these, uh, I'm going to call them catalysts because it's, it's, you know, it's mushrooms, it's ayahuasca, ibogaine. These, these medicines have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And so, you know, there's, there, there's a knowledge that's been passed on from generation to generation about how to practice this. Somewhere that knowledge got lost. So we still have, you know, because like we're, you know, we're a species with amnesia. You know, it seems like that we know all this stuff, you know, inherently we're born and then 
you know, we're programmed with all this other stuff that we forgot. And so to me, the way that these medicines have been, the way that they have been developed and the way that they have been sort of brought from the underground to to where we are today, they're not always the right the right way. There's not always the right practices. You know, we're taught set and setting, which is your mindset and where you are, are so important in your experience. And it's also the facilitator. That's so important. So the way that mushrooms are being treated in Oregon. So let's talk about that. So Oregon, Colorado, you know, I can't speak to every, you know, compliant, what compliance is like in in every state. Um, I know that in Oregon, the positives. So they've released draft testing. They've released lab testing rules for mushrooms. Now, are they limiting? Yes. Is some of it kind of restrictive? It is, but it's a start. So in Oregon, they're only allowed to use, um, they're only allowed to use Cubenzies. And, and from Cubenzies, there are several different strains that, that come from that. And some people think that that's very limiting and it could be, but at least it's a start. So what does that mean? It means that we've got a baseline for some of these cubensies and golden teachers are cubensies and and you know there are a few others i mean there are many others um but you know what what we need to know about them is what are the potencies what what is the dosing so that people can expect you know the same experience or or anticipate that they're going to have the same experience every time and what we've seen from from some of the testing that we've done is that there is a huge swing in potencies depending on the strain of mushrooms so in oregon by creating these rules by understanding how to test for potency um you know and they do have them test for heavy metals and certain bacteria and um certain pesticides and things like that which may not make sense to the mycologist because they're like, well, mushrooms could never grow in this. Like, why are we testing for it? But it's still, this is what's required um, because they're basing it close to the cannabis industry. Um, there, There's also certain, so I think all of that is really positive. January 3rd, they're opening up applications for to apply to, to be a cultivator, I think a practitioner, even to be a lab. So that's all opening up. And so we are seeing parallels in the way that cannabis, you know, was 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 handled to how they're um, opening it up for mushrooms. I'm not sure exactly what's going on yet in Colorado. Um, there are other municipalities where um, psychedelic therapy, I think, has been practiced anyway, whether it's legal or not. And some people will say that, like, these things are not meant to be done in a room, you know, with an eye mask laying down with a therapist next to you. You know, they're meant to be done outside in nature, you know, with music, with with um, shamans. And it's it's different. You know, there we have clinical and then we have ceremonial. And I think there's always going to be that kind of, um, there's always going to be that battle between the two. But the the legalization and the compliance, to me, it's all positive. No matter how long it takes, no matter how many mistakes they make in the beginning, hopefully we've learned from cannabis with some of these mistakes. But in general, I see it as all progress. Because if it means that people will consider the medicine, I mean, people are calling me all, I mean, my parents asked me about microdosing, you know, like everybody now. And so 
that means they're listening. And that's the most important part, I think. Great. Thank you for that wonderful and insightful answer. And, you know, something that <laughs> I keep coming back to is this idea don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And when I think about all the progress that's being made with research, with public interest in psychedelics, with our government looking at them seriously and, and looking at ways to integrate them into mainstream society, I see a lot of progress being made pretty quickly. And I also know there's a George Carlin quote that says, inside every cynic is a disappointed idealist. So I think a lot of people who are very cynical about the rollout of legal psychedelics maybe have a more idealistic approach to the way things should be done. And in my experience living, idealism doesn't always play in the real world, right? There's a sense of pragmatism, like, you know, sort of meeting in the middle. So of course, not everyone is going to agree with that sentiment, but that's something that that I see is that don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So Masha, I, I wanted to ask you about your telemedicine psychedelic platform. Of course, all of us in the post COVID world are familiar with certain degrees of telemedicine and this idea of moving our lives online. And it's a very interesting intersection when applied to the psychedelic space. I'm in a number of different forums and groups and threads and things like that. And one that's been coming up is this idea of people asking about if you're going to hold space for someone or to work with someone with psychedelics, but to do it remotely. And there's sort of a mixed response to people saying like, oh, you have to be in the same room as them, or, you know, you lose something if you do it remotely. And I know that there's a lot of different nuances to this conversation, but I just love to hear from your angle. What are you doing with psychedelic telemedicine? Yeah. How does psychedelic telemedicine work as far as you're concerned? So two, I think two and a half years ago, I worked on a project. We built out a telemedicine platform for ketamine assisted um, therapy. And we, it started as, so the platform basically, it, so the person would go online, they would meet the doctor over Zoom they would, the doctor would assess, they would go through, you know, a questionnaire, they would assess if they were a good uh, candidate for ketamine. And if they were, then the doctor would send out a script, that person would receive ketamine lozenges in the mail. And they were instructed, you know, there's, there was, it, 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 it's super compliant, we were very careful, um, they were instructed to, they go through a certain physical, um, blood pressure, all kinds of stuff. And they also have to have a buddy in the room. They're mailed a lozenge, they log back on, and then they do a guided session with a, um, with a nurse a practitioner and to music. So they put on an eye mask, they put on um, headphones, and then they sort of have this experience. They, they have the lozenge and they have this experience. It's about an hour, 15, hour and a half experience. Now, the guide is there for them. They're not talking to them during the experience. They're talking to them before the, the buddy who's physically in the room is making sure that they're okay. And then afterwards they check in on them. Um, it's extremely powerful. This platform is, um, it is, you know, and, and there, there are other, it's, it's not that this platform is unique, but, but the way that we did it was unique. The music was unique. The way that we, um, sort of, got the got the person comfortable and and all that and the fact that we were using their um, nurses so it was Keta MD with the platform and um, what I saw was ab nothing short of miraculous the results that people had and it's not like a one-time thing so it's you know 
we had recommended six six sessions. I mean, of course, they could have just one if they wanted to, but there's a protocol where you do one session a week for six weeks, um, and it is it's made a tremendous difference for people. Um, the fact that it's online, uh, you know, for me, I feel like the web. I mean, it's a portal. You know, whether it's a portal, it's it's a portal. So the the way that you and I are communicating, we can still connect through that portal. Because if we feel the connection, you still feel that. You feel the other person there. So there, even though there's a screen between you, it's still very effective. And when you're living in a time when, you know, especially during COVID or some people who are really depressed, they can't get out of their house. People who are in addiction, people who have PTSD and they, they can't get out of their house or they don't want to go to a foreign place. They want to be in a place where they're familiar. I think it's the optimal treatment for them because it comes to them and then they're comfortable. And so what the ketamine what the what the ketamine does if it's administered in very high doses of course that's that's not or intravenously that's not a place to do it in the house but the lozenges are more gentle and they allow you to pop out and you're not you know you're not like it's not like coming out of anesthesia you know like anesthesia when you when you first pop out it's not like that ketamine is very safe it's been um fda approved since 1970 um, it's used on babies for surgery. And so it's been uh, recently, uh, it's been not decriminalized, what's the word, reclassified to use for treatment resistant depression. Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's uh, always interesting to see the different avenues that people take. I'm a proponent of both and, you know, having options for people. I think that this idea that there's a blanket solution for everyone is not necessarily the right way to go about things like different, you know, uh, my parents are going to go, if they ever do psychedelic therapy, it's going to be through a very, you know, uh, clinical model with scrutiny. It's going to come from their general practitioner. It's not going to come from an underground market. And I think, you know, a lot of people who approach things idealistically, maybe don't take into account that there are many different types of people there. And that, you know, I hadn't even considered that what you said, maybe someone's too depressed to leave the house. That's a very real possibility. You know, we, we know people like that and, uh, I, they should have access to whatever works for them or to be able to try it. I'm a proponent of it. And, you know, so we've, we've tapped into a few of the things that you're currently working on right now, but there's one big word that pops out here with ACS and that's extraction. And, you know, doing this podcast and having a lot of cultivators and people working in psychedelics come on, I keep hearing about these new extraction techniques and, you know, people investing in extraction. And I just got contacted by the manufacturers of some industrial scale extraction equipment who want to, you know, talk about collaboration. So, what are you doing in, in the extraction realms right now with ACS that you can share with us? So we test all kinds of extracts. And of course, you know, I, I love extraction. I, I geek out on it. Um, I So me personally, I love rosin and I love hash. So I'm like very into solventless extraction and different solventless methods, whether it's cold cure or, or whatever that is. So I, I follow that. I, I speak to a lot of extraction artists. Um, we, we do a lot of blogging and, and we interview people that are doing innovative things and we learn about their techniques and their methods. So, you know, for cannabis, there's solventless extraction. There's BHO, which is using butane to extract. And then there's um, CO2 extraction. There's ethanol extraction. So on, on 
for my part, it's just knowing um, what methods they're using and then testing the product for residual solvents and then knowing how to read the COAs and, you know, how to explain to the client what's going on. Um, as far as mushroom extraction, that's very new still. I think that uh, it's there's there's several different techniques for mushroom extraction. Mushrooms are water soluble. They're very interesting. But what happens is when they oxidize, they lose their potency. So it's different. You can't use the same methods like you would with hash. Um, but there are they are using uh, methanol for mushroom extraction as well as there's something called a crystalline extraction and honey, believe it or not, um, glycol. So there's, there's just so many things, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a lot, there's a lot that we don't know. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to find out and report on it and, and test it and share it. So. Well, we're looking forward to following more of that because I think that's going to be a huge arena that's emerging. And just like you said, it's very new. So it's exciting to be part of something that's just developing and, you know, people are catching on and, and jumping into it right now. So, you know, we've kind of hit the sweet spot. I like to keep these short and sweet right now. But before we let you go today, Masha, I just would love to hear about what are some of the what are you currently working on right now that you can share with us? And, you know, there's so much happening in the political and regulatory landscape, as we see with the vote just passing Prop 1 and 22 in Colorado. Oregon's going to be kicking off their psilocybin program in 2023 in Q1. Uh, what are some of the things that you're actively working on with ACS and how are you positioning yourself for this coming wave of legal psychedelics? So with ACS, so, you know, we're, we're starting to work with DEA licensed uh, suppliers uh, f for mushrooms and we're testing, we're just, t we're testing different, different strains right now. So we just need as much data and as much practice as we can get because it's so new. Um, you know, we've been testing cannabis for a long time. We've done over like 600,000 tests, which is crazy. You know, with mushrooms, it's, you know, it's, it's I don't know, maybe under 100, but it's new. So that's super exciting. Um, really looking at the data and understanding, you know, these tryptamines and like, and some patterns for when we're seeing, you know, the activity. Um, and then for me, just looking for good partners, not just producers, but being able to understand how this industry is going to shape out. And, you know, we're also working on um, functional mushroom testing, which even though they're not psychedelic, I think I'm a huge fan of microdosing and the Stamets stack, which takes, uh, you know, which takes um, the psychedelic mushrooms, and then it stacks lion's mane and cordyceps and niacin on top. And the dosing is at about 0.25 or less. And so you can't be testing for psychedelic mushrooms and then not testing functional mushrooms if these are the types of products that are going to be coming out. So functional mushrooms are, I'm excited about that because, you know, they're everywhere now. And it's like where CBD was like six years ago. People were like, oh, you know, why do you need to test CBD? It doesn't get you high. Why do you need to test functional mushrooms? Well, same thing, right? You need, we need to make sure that it really is good lion's mane, that it's really doing what it's supposed to be doing because there is an entourage effect with these uh, functional mushrooms and these psychedelic mushrooms, they go together. I, and uh, a lot of our clients are gonna be blending uh, their CBD hemp 
products with functional mushroom products. So I sort of see that, you know, as the future. So understanding the different types of products. And then, you know, on the other side, again, coming back to uh, working with psychedelic mushrooms, just really making sure we understand the regulations in these states, looking at which states we would like to apply for licenses in. And it's really the research component I'm, I'm very interested in because we're a CLIA licensed lab, so we can test blood, urine, and um, plasma. So looking at the bioavailability of, you know, um, of these tryptamines, I think that's super cool to be able to see like how much do you actually need, you know, to have an effect. And um, that type of testing and these research studies, that's very interesting for me. And that's something that we're building out and we're looking at different states to do that. Um, what else can I tell you? Yeah, just really figuring out like what are the trends? Where is the, where is the legalization going? How can we follow it? Yeah, that's so important to check. You know, I've been trying to tap into a lot of the same things and different people have different ideas of where you should be stacking your chips or focusing. And, you know, I think the media and education is so important. That's one thing that I've harped on repeatedly on my podcast is this idea that policy and business are evolving at a much faster pace than education and sort of the, the you know, we don't really have a consensus education or pedagogy about how we're going to integrate these substances into society. It's something we're still learning right now. And I think that's, you know, from my, I remember being at Meet Delic last year and there were multiple venture capitalists who were very established on a panel. And a question posed to them was if you had $250,000 to put into an emergent, you know, the, the emergent psychedelics ecosystem, where would you put it? And two of the three panelists immediately said media, there needs to be more, you know, dedicated platforms. So once I heard that, my ears perked up. I was like, oh, I already started this. So I might as well double down on this. So, you know, I just, while I got you on, I, I wanted to ask you maybe one or two more questions that just popped to mind. And one of them is about your experience with this application for a license, for a DEA license. And that's something that, you know, I've had a few people on the program who have DEA licenses. And uh, I think there's a lot of like misunderstanding and just like general mystif mystification around these things, right? And that's part of where like media and these kind of narratives come in is sort of demystifying this stuff. Because yeah, you could go online, you could look at a white paper, you could go on a government website. A lot of that gets lost in translation for a lot of people. So can you share a little bit about maybe some of your experience or what you might be able to uh, applying for a DEA license specifically for psilocybin in Oregon or in Colorado or where it's currently legal and where those applications are currently open? What are the, you know, what do people need to know going into it? And, you know, uh, what are just some of the practicalities that come alongside doing this research legally as you've had the good fortune of being able to be a part of? Well, so the, the, I was not a part of the DEA license application here in Florida when, when we did that for, for the laboratory. But the reason that we were able to do that is because we were testing, um, you know, we were a clinical laboratory and we were testing these different compounds already. Like we were test, like we do a lot of tests for law enforcement and for doctors where we're already testing the blood, urine and plasma and for certain analytes. So when you're doing that, in order to test for something, you have to receive uh, a certified reference material of that thing. So you have to, in order to build a standard, you have to receive that thing, that product in order to say, this is the purest form of that product. I'm going to test against it. 
And so when you're a laboratory and you're doing research or you're doing testing, you it's it's the DNA of your business, right? That's the purpose of your business. That's the mission is to test these things and report on them. So um, we were able to get our DA license because that was part of our operating, you know, that's how we needed to operate. And so we, because we were already uh, doing research studies, it was easier for us because we were, we just, you know, leverage that and, and then switch to mushrooms. Um, if for any, and I'll tell you, even with a DEA, um, even being registered with the DA, it's still very tricky. Every time we receive a shipment, uh, we have to fill out, there's an application, you have to fill out a form, you have to, it's, it's almost like you're, you're doing it all over again every single time because everything is tracked. So when someone sends us product, they have to have a DEA license number that we have to get. We have to get all this information from them. Then we fill out another form. We request that then we wait to hear back from them that it's confirmed. So it's, it's, you have to have a friend in the DEA, like you have to have a rep. So every state, every city, you know, they have people that are, make friends with them, you know, understand what it's super, super detail oriented. Like, Every single SOP, you know, I mean, it helps that we're ISO accredited, of course, you know, I, I, for, for laboratories that aren't, and I know that that's a long process. I don't, I don't know how that would work because we're ISO accredited. We're able to refer like, okay, this is our SOP for testing this. This is our, you know, we're able to refer back to all of these, um, to the SOP so that it's very clear that we need this to operate our business. So, I, I wish I could be more helpful in, in other, how it works in other states, but I, I think that, you know, that's, I know for a fact that we're friends with our DEA rep, so you have to be because there's so much back and forth because it's not a done deal. It's not just about getting that, like, oh, well, I'm done, I got it. No, that's just the beginning of the paperwork of all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was already a, a great insight right there. And, you know, I, I, there's so much going on right now that I just am trying to keep track of all of it as many people are. And it's really wonderful to have people who, you know, sort of have the blueprint like ACS does and like you do, where you've seen uh, an underground market emerge into a regulated economy. And essentially that's what's happening as far as I understand with psychedelics right now. So I like to try to paint as comprehensive a picture as possible for my audience and for myself. And the last question that just kind of percolated up to my mind, we, I see that data is so important in the ecosystem of psychedelics. And I've got friends, mutual friends with you, I'm sure, who are focusing on data and building out their portfolios around sort of this core nucleus of data. And from your perspective, you know, having done over 600,000 cannabis tests and maybe around 100 mushroom tests, et cetera, what is the role of data in shaping the ACS laboratory's game plan and in shaping the psychedelic ecosystem? Well, you know, I think that the, the data is going to allow us to create a feedback loop. And, and right now, you know, I'm sad to say some of our clients aren't even using the data because we have so much data and we're always, I'm always asking them, like, what do you want to see? Do you want to compare stuff from this year to last year? Do you want an index? Do you want to see how you compare against everybody else? Do you want to see if there's patterns in certain levels? And, you know, I'm not a data scientist. I don't know what questions to ask. I, I know it's there and I know that it's important, but um, I think ultimately when you have, you know, when there is so much data, 
it's it's not having the data it's how you apply it so you have to have a question you know like what is your question what do you want to know and then and then you go into it and and then use that data for me right now the most interesting thing is is potency data and how different strains vary how the form factor varies how does the fruit vary from the extract from the chocolate from the microdose um how does how do the potencies vary and then um shelf life is another thing that's pretty interesting in terms of how long you know what are the optimal storing conditions how long does it keep for before it degrades that kind of stuff so the data is so important but but applying it is 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 more important you know than having a lot of it and so that's uh, i'm looking for that and you know w- one thing i have to say that i forgot to mention that um another uh, initiative that we're working on as far as education is uh, is uh, we have a partnership with automatic slims and a company called blocticity and we've launched a building in in decentraland um the central land is the is the um that's the metaverse it does not require you know an oculus or any kind of a a helmet or anything so you can log on and create um, a wallet and we show you how to do all that but the point of it is that it so we put acs laboratory in the metaverse so now we explain about lab testing in the metaverse and cultivation extraction and then there's a retail store we can make we can put the coas on the blockchain the certificates of analysis the lab results on the blockchain so that they're not disputable we can make those nfts that you can then redeem for physical products compliantly um, it's really exciting because it's it's a virtual space for people to commune and to educate in a different way so in the metaverse so like when i say to you that silicon uh, binds to serotonin. That kind of means nothing. But in the metaverse, we can show you what a, what a serotonin receptor looks like, what a psilocin receptor looks like, how they bind. You can bind them. You can sit inside the receptor. You know, you can sit inside the, um, sort of like inside the systems to see how these molecules work. It's just a different way to learn. You know, I'm not a chemist. I didn't even do that well in chemistry, but like, I love this stuff. And, and, and so I'm learning it. And I think many more people will fall in love with it when it's like, not just the chemistry, but it's a different way to learn. You know, it's a different way to process information. And and I'm most excited about that because I think it's going to open up so many doors and the potential to connect to others. Well, I'm here for it as well, and I'm excited to be following your work and the work of ACS Laboratories. So Masha T, Head of Corporate Growth and Education at ACS Laboratories, it's been an honor. Thank you for joining us on the Micropreneur Podcast and looking forward to following the trajectory of your career and all the great work you're doing with ACS. Thank you so much. It's been great. And that is a wrap. Thank you for sticking around to the bitter end. It's very sweet of you to commit so thoroughly. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please consider checking out the substantial backlog while you're at it. You can reach out to me via email, micopreneur at gmail.com. Or hit me on any of the numerous social platforms that I'm currently active on. At Micopreneur Podcast is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back here next week on the Micopreneur Podcast.